Hello, and welcome to the Christ Table Podcast, a Bible study for those who struggle with digging into the Bible, but who want to develop a richer faith, one with some meat on its bones. I'm Kevin Young, a media guy turned minister who's passionate about helping others thrive, especially spiritually. If you're unaware, Christ Table is a movement of people returning the church to her roots, in homes, around tables, over food with old friends and fresh conversations. Check us out over at www.christtable.today. In the meantime, our study continues on the topic of brave conversations. We'll be focusing on infertility and miscarriage today as we look deeper into Genesis 25. Let's dig in. Well, over the last few days, we have been talking about infertility and miscarriage. And one of the things that we have become aware of in this conversation is that this affects a high number of people. In fact, it affects so many people that it is a bit of a question mark in my mind as to why the church does not directly address this topic more often. The other thing that we have realized in this is that the Bible does not necessarily directly address this topic very often either. Now, that doesn't mean that the church shouldn't address the topic, but it does mean that it makes it a little bit more difficult to navigate all of the nuances of these things. One of the reasons why I believe that is that the Bible does not directly address infertility and miscarriage a lot is because the Bible isn't necessarily there to be a answer guide, to be a Q&A, to be a facts section, to provide a textbook for the answers to every issue in life. It's not supposed to be there to provide you practical guidance on every single issue that you or I are going to face on our journey. No, the Bible is there in order to help us begin and then maintain a relationship with God. And so that is the greater overarching principle so that no matter what we navigate in life, whether that be infertility or miscarriage, whether that be the breakdown in relationships or struggle with parenting, no matter what it is that we may face personally, professionally, relationally, emotionally, psychologically, physically, the greater emphasis is that we be able to walk through any of those things with a strong and healthy relationship with the creator, with the divine. That said, the Bible still does have some things to say, and today we will jump into Genesis chapter 25, where we have another conversation here about infertility. We are now jumping back into the story of Abraham, which I promised a little earlier this week that I would, The text tells us in Genesis 25 that Abraham married another wife whose name was Keturah, and then she gives birth to more sons and perhaps daughters as well. Sarah has passed away, and so likely what happens is Abraham takes one of his slaves, one of his uh, concubines, one of uh, somebody that he already knew, she becomes his wife and then bears him more children, and his greatly advanced age. This is essentially an epitaph for Abraham because this is saying that Abraham and the reading that you'll do, and I'm just going to skip through a few of these things. You can read the whole chapter, but but that Abraham passes away and uh, now everything is left to his son, 
Isaac. Everything that he owns is left to Isaac, his son. Uh, but before he died, he gave gifts to the sons of his concubines and sent them off to a land in the east away from Isaac. In the break here, we see that Abraham lived for 175 years. He died at a ripe old age, having lived a long and a satisfying life, if not a difficult life that was plagued by infertility. He breathed his last and joined his ancestors in death. Now, the chapter here kind of wraps up the story of Ishmael, and in order to move to the story that the teller wants to tell, the story of Isaac and Jacob, kind of has to tie up loose ends. So that happens, and then it moves in verse 19 to the account of the family of Isaac, the son of Abraham. When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Padamaram, and the sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. This is the problem that his father had as well. A promise that there would be children, but no children to speak of. For Abraham, it was because of his advanced age and Sarah's advanced age. Sarah was beyond childbearing years, and so Abraham tried to fix the problem on his own and ends up creating a whole lot more problematic situations. Isaac and Rebekah, same situation, infertility, and yet it's a different situation because Rebekah is not, as we know, beyond childbearing years here. Now, the interesting thing about this story is that once again, Isaac is facing difficulty with promise that God has given. Not only does he want children, not only does Rebecca want children, but they have been promised that a great family will come from their line of descendants. And here again, they are forced to rely and to trust on a God whom they know they can rely and trust in. But no matter how much you know that, whenever you are facing something as big as a desire to bear children and there being complexities, there being problems, there being an inability to do that, it can rock the very bedrock of even the most committed person's faith. There are going to be for all of us those times and seasons in our life whenever we have the choice as to whether or not to continue to trust God and to trust his, his promise. His promise for Isaac and Rebekah was a family, but his promise for all of us is a promise of of love is a promise that he has our best in mind. Whenever what we want and what it seems to us that God may be wanting for us are not in alignment, that's when the rubber meets the road, where the real crisis of faith can come. And a lot of times it depends on the community around us as to whether or not we'll make it through. Jesus faced that crisis. We talked about it yesterday in the Garden of Gethsemane where 
God's will and Jesus' will did not seem to necessarily be in alignment. Um, Jesus didn't have a community around him, though, who was supportive. Everybody was falling asleep. If I were in that situation, I don't know that I would have remained trusting God without the support of Peter, James, and John, and those around me. It's why it's so important for us to ensure that the spiritual community that is around us is a healthy spiritual community. And there's a difference. There's a difference between people who who say they're followers of God and who profess to be strong Christians, maybe even go through all of that, go to church all the time, say they read their Bible, say they pray, but, but they're not close to God. And whenever you go through that trial, that dark night of your soul, whether it be infertility or miscarriage or something else, you're going to need people who truly are surrounding you, who are truly people of God, whom you trust, whom trust you, whom you can trust their relationship with God. It's interesting. Isaac probably questioned whether or not he should have even married Rebecca. Did I make the wrong choice here, God? Did I choose the wrong person? I wanted children. Now, now because of her, it doesn't seem that, that I'm able to have children. Maybe it was Isaac. We don't know. In those days, though, we can, we can be assured that it was always the woman's fault as to why children were, were not able to be born. But every fleece that Isaac had put out had said that it was God's will for him to marry Rebecca. Isaac had gone through a very long and arduous process of ensuring as to the best of his ability to know that she was the right one for him. How could she be the right one for him if God had almost also promised that he would have a great line of descendants? What do you do? What do you do when you've done everything right and yet you encounter that wall that seems so wrong? Well, Isaac prays. He prays fervently. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer and Rebecca becomes pregnant with twins. This story, the story ends well, right? Not all of our stories when we encounter trouble or difficulty are, are going to end up with the answer that we want. Isaac's does. But I want you to see the amount of time that it took. Abram and Sarah, they waited 25 years for Isaac after God had promised them that they would have a child. 25 years. You think you'd make it 25 years? I don't know that I'd make it 25 years. Isaac and Rebecca, following in mom and dad's footsteps, Isaac waits 20 years after marrying Rebecca for her children. 20 years. Do you have any 20-year prayers? Do you have any 25-year prayers? That is not giving up to continue to hold on to faith at some level in God 
after not receiving the answer to a desire of your heart after 20 or 25 years? Most of us don't make it 20 or 25 days. I can't remember the last time I prayed for 25 minutes about something in particular. Maybe, maybe our faith in God and our trust and our belief and our spiritual practices. Maybe we need to keep going. But before we go, the Lord answered Isaac's prayer. Rebecca becomes pregnant with twins, but I want you, <laughs> I want you to see verse 22 before we go. But the two children struggled with each other in the womb. Look at that. The two children struggled with each other in the womb. What do you, what do you make of that? What I make of that is the journey wasn't done. If you make children your idol, then what you receive in return for making them your idol may not be idyllic. Think about that for just a moment. Think about the fact that they waited 20 years in order to become pregnant with children. And then the fighting begins in the womb. The thing that they thought and desired would be the greatest blessing, would bring the greatest peace, would be the greatest joy to their lives, actually ended up bringing a great deal of frustration, a great deal of strife and turmoil, a great deal of suffering and bickering, and it becomes a legendary story of disagreement and dissension and lying and a broken family situation. Don't make children your idol. The birth of children, the conception of children, toddlers, grade schoolers, adolescents, Children should never be the center of your world and the center of God's plan for you. Whether your name is Abram and Sarah, whether your name is Isaac or Rebecca, no matter what your name is or what your journey is, God should be the center of your world. Now, I know that's easy for me to say. I have four kids, right? But I think that it holds true no matter what our number of children or marital status or singleness is. It's important for us to remember, don't make other things our idol. That without that thing, we are unable to have a healthy and vibrant relationship with God, with other people, with our spouse. Now, the Bible clearly says that children are, are important, that children are a gift, that children are a blessing from God. 
So those moments where they're a curse, right? <laughs> where, where you wonder what kind of blessing have I received in this? The point is this, avoid making children your idol. There should only be one idol in your life. That's God. This Bible study on Brave Conversations is brought to you by Christ Table. If you'd like to join us in the study, there's an easy-to-follow guide in the show notes. We'd love to have you join us. You know, 65 million adults in the United States have dropped out of church, and that number will grow by 2.7 million before the end of this year. We here at Christ Table are committed to doing something about that. We're committed to creating a world where the table is once again the center of the home, the center of family life, and especially the center of faith formation again. Our mission? That's simple. To help people eat freely and drink deeply of life and of faith. Find out more about us by going to www.christtable.today. When you get over to christtable.today, be sure to sign up for our email list there. And for those who choose to donate, I've got a resource box that I want to send you in the mail as my thanks. And trust me, it's pretty good. You're going to like it. By the way, the podcast is available because of the generous donations of our listeners and the incredible community of people who call Christ Table their spiritual home. Join us on our next episode as we continue our conversation with a discussion of mental illness. And if you'd like to watch these Bible studies live, there's more information on our website as well over at www.christtable.today. Thanks so much for listening. We wouldn't be here without you. Until next time, I'm Pastor Kevin Young, and this is the Christ Table Podcast.